Welcome everybody to another episode of The Executive. Today's a unique uh, episode since we are at the Bio CEO and Investor Conference. Uh, and because of that, I am joined by Brian Finro from Lumen Bioscience. Brian, so good to have you here today. Oh, thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Um, this is a unique experience where a lot of CEOs get to meet investors from really all over the place. And I'm, thank you for taking the time to kind of step aside from that a little bit and share what Lumen Bioscience is doing and what your team is up to. If you don't mind just talking a little bit about you know, your founding story with Lumen Bioscience and what the team is really focused on. Yeah, sure, just briefly. Uh, we're a clinical stage biotechnology company. We're about six years old. Uh, my co-founder and I started the company in 2017. Uh, my, uh, I'm a lawyer by training, as you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I practiced law for 10 years, uh, a big firm called Cooley Goddard. Uh, and then uh, been doing other things uh, at this time. I've been doing other things for about five years. I was in, in-house with a company uh, there in Seattle. My co-founder is a real scientist. And so uh, that's a kind of the yin-yang of our company cultures uh, reflected in that uh, dichotomy. Yeah. So he comes at things from a very uh, hard-nosed molecular biology, hard biology background. Uh, and I bring uh, everything else, which is, uh, you know, the miscellaneous of running a company, right. uh, you know, particularly with a legal background. Um, so we work with a, a novel biomanufacturing host. It's a microbe called spirulina. Uh, and uh, that's a uh, fundamental technology that we're built around. The easiest way to think about it is the way that my co-founder sold me on the idea when he was talking me into this harebrained adventure, uh, which is it starts with the observation that uh, every time there's been a do, new great biomanufacturing host introduced that set the stage for tremendous well, wealth creation, but also tremendous advances in human health. So the very first one was E. coli engineering. And that, of course, was the foundation for Genentech in the 1970s yeah. and early 1980s. Um, that's how they first started making insulin. Uh, in fact, today, oh. still a majority of the world's insulin is still made in E. coli. Really? Uh, so the second was uh, the technology for bioengineering mammalian cells. So before you can make a monoclonal antibody to inject into humans, you had to be able to make uh, an engineered mammalian cell to manufacture those proteins. Uh, and so that set of innovations actually came out of my co-founder's lab at Columbia University. Yeah. Um, now, he wasn't running the lab at the time. He was a grad student. But the Axel patents were one of the most valuable set of biotechnology patents in the world today. Uh, and that set the stage for all of the monoclonal antibodies and other human uh, protein therapeutics uh, that we see on the market today, including EPO, human growth hormones, and Umira. Uh, and then finally, uh, a hometown favorite. I'm from Seattle, so uh, I like to give a shout out to the, uh, the yeast <laughs> engineers. So they right. figured out how to bioengineer yeast cells to make something useful. Uh, that was called the Hall Patents out of the University of Washington. Again, another billion-dollar portfolio. So Jim's idea, uh, we had this uh, very core technology, no patents issued yet, uh, for engineering this microbe spirulina. And he reasoned that, like these three prior colossuses, uh, that spirulina could be potentially number four. Uh, and so essentially, Lumen Bio's business plan is to explore that conjecture. and um, Or you could think about it in a little slightly more humorous way, which is, Again, because Jim was one of the inventors of mammalian cell engineering, and he made you know, a bunch of money like Columbia University as a grad student of some trickle-down economics with the royalties. Uh, this is, uh, the business plan essentially is Jim getting me and a bunch of our friends together and trying to one-up his younger self. <laughs> 
That's the whole business plan. That's right the business there. plan right, right. there. Let's the rest, happens. the rest is just. Let's detail. see what happens when I put these people together. Yeah. Well, how did? I mean, and you, you have a really unique background coming from the legal industry. Maybe credit to Jim. How did he think of bringing you into this, knowing your background was a little more unique for life sciences to spearhead this? <laughs> Well, it wasn't like that at all. Um, or did you convince him? Well, a, you know, so the technology was incubated in a, a predecessor entity as a, as a company called Matrix Genetics. Uh, and they did a common thing uh, in our industry. The common thing is uh, building the science on the expectation that good science naturally leads to wealth creation and a, a stable financial footing and a, you know, and a going concern that can you know, last the ages or whatever. Um, it's not necessarily true yeah. <laughs> always. I mean, right. I do think in our business, you have to have good science. Yeah. Uh, it won't survive otherwise. The world is too harsh. But just good science, well, that's what you go to a university for. Um, you need to have science, but somehow science that is channeled in the direction of something that makes it, a particular set of human beings' lives better. And if it makes their life better, they will happily pay you for making their life better. Uh, so that means you have to think about how you turn the science into a product or a service, I suppose. We're making products. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that that's not, it's not so trivial for people that are really, really great at thinking about the science. Um, the, 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 it's not obvious that they're also going to be great at thinking about this other kind of thing. Now, along the way, I would say, uh, there's lots of other ways to screw up a company aside from not having a product. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's some uh, some other things that uh, uh, you, you think about the intellectual property, uh, human resources. You know, messing that up is another great way. Tried yeah. tried and true for uh, screwing <laughs> up a company. Um, you know, there's facilities, there's uh, there's operations, there's the regulatory overlay, particularly what we're making, developing you know clinical drugs. Uh, so. Uh, there's a lot of other things other than science. Um, and jokes aside, um, Jim had uh, this beautiful science, but it lacked application. Uh, and so together, uh, that's what we've been doing, is wrestling it into form where there's some really obvious applications for it today. I say obvious. It's only obvious in retrospect, but it took us uh, most of the last six years working through all the implications of the core innovation that, they, yeah. that he had come up with. Well, I do want to talk about your background a little bit, yeah. just because... I see why you know Jim brought brought you in, but yeah. what made you start to make the switch from being been at Harvard at Cooley for a long time? Yeah. I think you were general counsel then internal, right? Uh -huh, and then uh -huh. now on to being the CEO of Living Bioscience. Did you just realize your brain was meant for this? You know what no. what what made you make the switch? I mean, it was like everybody else's life is entirely accident filled and serendipity. Yeah, uh, yeah I came out of law school. Uh, almost 20 years ago now. Well, no, it was 20 years ago, 2023. Uh, and I moved back. I grew up in Seattle, moved back. And, yeah. um, and I love practicing law. It was so great. And particularly the group I was with, uh, a bunch of uh, 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 technology company advisors. Uh, and it was so cool. Um, and when you're practicing law in a group like that, there's this feeling, almost like a video game feel, like you're always leveling up your skills every year. You know, you kind of learn something new. Yeah. Um, it's really bottomless. Uh, as an intellectual pursuit, and you're surrounded by really smart people. Um, and it was a really privileged experience because as a, a deal lawyer in that context, I was in the boardroom uh, seeing these really high-quality management teams and boards and VCs grappling with the, 
these big issues, uh, you know, week in and week out. Uh, and then, of course, all of the, the transactional work we were doing is sort of a distilled essence of an early stage company, you know, whether venture capital financing or M&A or IPO. These are all kinds of different securities transactions working on. Uh, and you have to work through the different kinds of issues that come up across the board, all the things, you know, the, all the different ways of messing up a company. Right. <laughs> and working with early stage companies, you see a lot of companies fail. And yeah. there's a lot of lessons in that, too. But it's coming up on about 10 years doing that. Uh, and ultimately, for me personally, the, the practice had changed. You know, it was less this um, skills-driven, deal-driven activity. And more and more of it, as you become a more senior lawyer, uh, becomes managing your book of business, you know, sending out client bills, uh, you know, dealing with uh, kind of HR issues, building a legal team, yeah. training people, sitting on committees is a big part of it in a modern law firm. So for me, that it turns out that that, that side of the business of law was less appealing. Yeah. Uh, so I went in-house. I figured, you know, how hard could it be? <laughs> I've seen it done. Right. right? I, I've seen so much failure. I know how to at least avoid the failure. Yeah. So I went in, I went in with this uh, in-house with this uh, uh, agricultural biotechnology company. And it, it flamed out spectacularly in six months. I mean, just completely. Right. Uh, but you know, if you have a sense of adventure, you know, that's fine. It was, um, it was an okay time. It wasn't during the great financial crisis or anything. So bounced back, um, bounced around a couple of different companies, freelancing, just kind of trying to figure out, <laughs> well, it's different outside of a law firm, inside a firm. It is not as easy as it looks, right. it turns out. Uh, and I landed a company called Bi uh, Adaptive Biotechnologies. Yeah. Um, Joined them in uh, a corporate development capacity initially, and then ultimately also took over the, the legal department. Uh, and that's, that's where I was when Jim and I started Lumen. I left that company to start Lumen. So uh, how, did, how did I end up here? Well, it certainly wasn't any kind of, uh, right. you know, forethought and, you know, planning and executing on a business plan that I knew, you know, coming out of law school. Well, it is a little bit of you see your clients do something, you're like, could I do that? Yeah. Right? And yeah. then you go in there like, okay, I can, but it was a lot harder than I thought. You yeah. know, now I have a lot more sympathy for what they're working on. Yeah. Uh, that's tricky. Yeah. Um, talking about your team, you guys raised a $50 million. Was that Series A last year? I remember. Oh, right. no, 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 no. Most of that capital, um, no, we raised, uh, I think you're referring to a news release we put out. Yeah. It was a bit over $50 million in the second half. Second uh, half. Most of that yeah. was uh, grant funding, non-deliver funding. Got it. Okay. Now, what's the, what's the focus of the team right now using that capital? Where, where are you really trying to focus the team at the stage you're at right now as yeah. CEO? Well, so the backup, you know, last year, 2022, was uh, pretty bad for biotech. I don't yeah. know if you read. <laughs> bad for everybody. Yeah, bad for everybody. Yeah, yeah. so we, uh, you know, a year ago, the world looked totally different. We were, we were on a glide path. We had this very fancy hedge fund and this very fancy crossover where we needed to co-leading around for us. And we were going to do the crossover IPO thing. It was like a package. Right. package you knew deal. the path. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then this guy, uh, Vladimir, uh, invaded uh, an Eastern European country called Ukraine. And uh, the, the biotech markets were already sliding, and this just pushed it right off the cliff. And it literally stopped returning phone calls. Uh, so, of course, everybody freaked out. Yep. You know. Uh, and, but what we realized is that Lumen Bio has a, has a couple of advantages that give us a unique opportunity in this context. Uh, number one, Developing drugs on our platform is just a lot cheaper than on a conventional sterile fermentation biologics platform like Chinese hamster ovaries or E. coli or yeast or whatever. This is what most of the industry is using today. 
Um, because of the nature of what we're making, both the microbe and also the therapeutic delivery context, usually to the GI tract, uh, it just turns out it's the, it's the capital requirements are a lot lower. So our burn rate is a lot lower than a typical clinical stage bio. Which is so critical on this. Yeah. But it's also, it's also very useful, this technology for, because it's new, I think in large part, it's very useful as a, uh, it's perceived anyway to be very useful for going after some uh, disease targets that have been refractory to conventional technologies. And in turn, that means that the uh, government agencies and foundations are very interested in working with us um, to go after these diseases that other people, they haven't been able to solve with conventional technologies. Right. So we've, we've always had a very good uh, interest from grant funding. So that, that sort of capital comes in from the bottom, oh, capital requirements and all, you can see which way the, right. the lines are going, <laughs> we'll right? See where it ends. So when, when all of this stuff went down with Ukraine and everything fell apart yeah. in the world, the, the conventional equity financing, what we, we stepped back and we realized, well, wait a second, what if we just try really hard to get more money, you know, from this side and, you know, watch our pennies here, but yeah. uh, fill up the tank on this side of it. So we raised a very small round. It was just $10 million uh, on June 30. Uh, and then uh, we just put the hammer down on business development and, uh, and, not, and non-traditional funding. Yeah. And it succeeded beyond all of our wildest expectations. Uh, so we now have, to answer your question, yeah. uh, with all of this new funding, we're running uh, four clinical trials already. All four are publicly funded. Uh, the flagship among those is a, a pivotal trial, a phase 2-3, directed at C. difficile infection, which is terrible uh, hospital-acquired infection. Um, and uh, that's funded by the DOD. Uh, we are also, um, uh, we have a fifth study we're interested in kicking off, and so we're still looking to get that one funded. Uh, meanwhile, we have uh, existing collaborations with Novo Nordisk uh, and a Japanese pharmaceutical company called Kiorn Pharmaceuticals uh, that are moving uh, rapidly uh, through uh, preclinical development. So uh, what are we going to do with all those funds? Uh, I think we'll have no shortage of things to do. Yeah. Yeah. For 2024. Well, it's incredible. You were talking about you went into this environment and how you had to pivot, right? And that's so many companies in the last year have had to look and figure out, be scrappy, figure out how to change. Where, where else can they get money from? How can they lower their burn? I'm sure you've learned a ton in that time period. What are the things that you've really learned as the CEO? Like if you put it down to a couple things that you're like, this is really what it takes, or this, these are the really important things as a CEO that you need to do mm. in an early stage company. Yeah. Well, back when I was selling my time for hundreds of dollars an hour. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Seemed nice at times. I used, to, I used to say, well, you know, yes, these other law firms, they're cheaper by the hour. But remember, like things are worth usually what you pay for them. Yeah. I think that applies to advice as well. So I, I don't have any, you know, great advice <laughs> for other CEOs. Um, but I, I'll tell you something that I think about an awful lot. And uh, 2022 is maybe an example of this. Uh, you know, the, the easy thing is to do the obvious thing. Um, it, there's, there's no end of experts out there that can tell you the obvious thing, the conventional wisdom, uh, you know, how everybody does it. There's a sense that there's, there's sort of safety in that, you know, and that nobody's going to criticize you from doing, for doing what everybody does. Um, and there's also, you know, I think we should be respectful of that. I mean, there is probably 
if you not if it's not obvious, there's maybe some reasons why everybody's doing it in a, in the kind of a way that they are. But sometimes, like in our case, in the early part of last year, uh, you know, the obvious way to raise money is to go to the people that have the money, the hedge funds, for right. all the money, yeah. and and just ask them for it. Uh, but the less obvious way, if you're if you step back and you, you can listen to the whispers of your own intuition, uh, might be better. Yeah. In our case, uh, this is very untraditional for a clinical stage biotechnology company. The conventional wisdom is what we're doing is impossible. It's too expensive. Uh, it's not scalable too slow. And, you know, here we are. We're running four or five trials in 2023. We would be shutting our doors otherwise. Um, and so listening to that whisper can, can take you to new places. You know, when we first, there's another, I'll tell you another brief, brief anecdote. When yeah. we, when we set up the company, we weren't really sure what the technology would be good for <laughs> at all. I right. mean, it's, it's very obvious. Like you're right? bringing together three really yeah. good people. Oh, yeah. It's just as, as obvious in retrospect as look, you've got grant money, just go get more of it. Right. right. I mean, it just seems like obviously yeah. you should do that. But uh, at the time, trust me. Uh, not so obvious. Yeah. And um, five years ago, not so obvious what the technology would be useful for. We were looking at all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, like food additives and, uh, you know, cosmetics, uh, you know, veterinary health, right? And we had all these experts in all these different fields are like, yeah, this is a great idea. You can do it. This would be so good for this idea. Uh, but the idea of orally delivering protein therapeutics, particularly antibodies, is absolutely not something that occurred to us. Yeah. Uh, but we had uh, we were in Seattle and Gates Foundation was there also, and they had this problem. And a friend of a friend uh, put two and two together, and they, he brought over someone from the Gates Foundation. He introduced us to this whole world of orally delivered antibody drugs. It's just a very mature field, actually, but one that, again, because it's niche and it's a little bit off on the side, doesn't doesn't get the limelight at conferences like this. Right. Uh, we'd never heard of. Uh, but they had this problem, and they invited themselves over. They said, look, could you do this thing? We said, well, if you've got money, we can do that thing. <laughs> it's the Gates Foundation. Of course, of course. Uh, and it, this whole world of opportunity blossomed out of that one random meeting, yeah. which we almost didn't take. Well, that's probably where it's a little hard to give really targeted advice, right? Because yeah. you're saying it came from looking at non-obvious ways, which yeah. are hard to find, and it's also hard to have... The intuition is internal. Yeah. And then it's also that meeting that was serendipitous. Yeah. Right. And so it, it if I could maybe boil it down to something, it's keep trying. Right. Keep trying. Keep trying. Try new things. Think differently. Keep looking for opportunities. I, it's probably a little bit of your mindset, too, of your team of what else could work. Yeah. Being open to things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and that's why I say it's it's like a whispering. Yeah. You know, the, the loud obvious thing um, is easy right. to find that idea. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, uh, you can ask anybody and they'll tell you yeah. the loud, obvious thing. It's also tricky because you know, most of the times you have one of these intuitions, it's a dumb idea. Right. <laughs> you know? It's like, so how do you know, right. you know, like it's not some harebrained thing that is just totally going to fail. It's just doomed. Uh, most, most of the crazy things are crazy for, you know, they call them crazy for a reason. They just don't work. Um, and it's hard, too, because if you have the crazy idea, then probably everybody's going to tell you that's crazy. Yeah. Um, 
So that's where the hard work comes in. You're really going to have to muscle through. You got to muscle through all the failure, which are the the, the ideas that are non-intuitive but also dumb. That <laughs> yeah. uh, turns out to find those just a couple of them. You just need a couple that are, you know, the right mix of crazy and good. Well, uh, as we wrap up, and I know you can't make promises due to SEC rules, I'm sure, of what sure. Of where the company is going. But what's what's your vision? Where where do we want to see this company in five, ten years? What what do you what's your team really trying to build to? Uh, well, we we're we're building a fully integrated biopharma company. We want to stay stay autonomous. That too is a little bit unusual yeah. uh, in clinical stage drug development. Sure. Um, but we have the whole package and everything from hit the lead discovery through GMP manufacturing. We're building out the clinical team now. It's a pretty pretty solid clinical team. Uh, and then all that's left is commercial. So no, we want to we want to stay standing on our own two feet. Uh, we want to get these drugs out there uh, so they can help people. Uh, try to hopefully figure out a way to you know make some money at it so we can pay back all the investors who've supported us along the way. Uh, and it's it's that simple. There's nothing nothing too fancy in the formula. Day by day executing, right? Yeah, one step yeah. after another. Brian, really appreciate it. Excited yeah. to see what Lumen Bioscience does, and appreciate you taking the time. Thanks again, Matt. Thank Anytime. you. Anytime.